Welcome to episode number 17 of Central Intelligence Cinema. Today, we have our very first guest to the show, Alan and Jillian Porter. We had a fantastic discussion talking about their new book, The James Bond Lexicon. Super great people, and we feel really honored that they were willing to sit down with us, of all people, and talk Bond. So without further ado, our very first Special Ops Debrief with Alan and Jillian Porter. Beg your pardon, forgot to knock. Welcome to the CIC, initiating security clearance. My name is Napoleon Son. Bond. James Bond. Ethan Hunt. Felix Leiter. Ilya Kuriaki. Identity confirmed. Now, pay attention, 007. Welcome to Central Intelligence Cinema, a podcast dedicated to spy movies and secret agent pop culture. Your mission, should you decide to accept it. Remember, nothing ever goes according to plan. Sean, what do you think you're doing? The British Admiral, sir. You expect me to talk? Yeah, baby! Coming to you from an undisclosed safe house that's safe because it's undisclosed. It's the Central Intelligence Cinema Podcast. I'm Jason Greenberg, and with me, as always, Ben Esslinger. Thank you, Jason, for that lovely, warm, and fuzzy introduction, and welcome back to the CIC. Man, we are going to class this sucker up today. Oh, yeah. Holy smokes. Jason, how excited are you? (laughs) On a scale of one to 10, I am at 11. 11, indeed. We have a guest. We have two guests. We have two freaking guests on our freaking podcast. We have guests. We have guests. Put your podcast to the test. (laughs) And we won't sing any more of this because it's ridiculous. (laughs) Hey, that's pretty good there. (laughs) (laughs) How on earth did we even land these people? I have no I, idea. They because they don't hear the outtakes; they only hear the polished turd, not the full turd. <laughs> That's right. They have no <laughs> idea what they're getting themselves into. But, ladies and gentlemen, we have Alan and Jillian Porter, the author of the new book that we talked about last week on the Intel Report. Um, the book is "The James Bond Lexicon: The Unofficial Guide to the World of 007 in Movies, Novels, and Comics." We have them both. It's amazing. It's amazing. It's crazy. It's amazing. Ooh. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I feel like I should just uh, shut my mouth for the time being. And without further ado, let's get into this interview. What do you think? Let's do it. Now establishing a secure line for CIC Special Operations Debrief. Authorized personnel only. Today, we have with us a historian of pop culture and author of several books covering everything from Beatles to Batman to Bond, uh, including his 2008 book, James Bond, The History of the Illustrated 007. Uh, He now has a new book co-authored with his longtime writing partner and wife, Jillian. And that book is the James Bond Lexicon, the unofficial guide to the world of 007 in movies, novels, and comics. Alan and Jill Porter, welcome to the show, guys. Well, thank you. It's thank great you. to be. Yeah, it's great to be here. Thanks for inviting us on. Well, and it's exciting too because you guys, you guys are our very first guest we've ever had on Ooh. our show ever. Wow, so, we are honored. So, honored. No pressure then. No pressure. Yeah, no pressure whatsoever to, to get this right. But it's all right. It's all uphill from here, guys. You're fine. Yeah. <laughs> 
But uh, first of all, um, how are you guys doing? Um, I know this, obviously, this last year has been different for everybody, but uh, how are things going? Good. Pretty good. good. Yeah. Pretty yeah. good. Just love, great to get this book out a month ago, and uh, it's it's been a fun month, uh, the last month. Um, yeah, making the making the rounds on the different making the rounds of the so podcast forth. shows. Yeah, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's been uh, been fun, and it was just uh, even though everything was strange the last twelve months, it was actually good to have the focus on getting the book out and working on that. So, sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. For, for sure. Yeah. And you guys are in uh, Austin, Texas, right? Correct. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So um, as I was, you know, sort of uh, setting this up with you, you'd mentioned that you're about to take part in an Ian Fleming Foundation work weekend. Yeah. Um, yes. Am I allowed to ask you guys what you guys are doing with that? Or Yeah, sure. So just for the folks who may be watching or listening who don't know what the Ian Fleming Foundation is, it's a group. Um, it's a charity set up to promote the works of Ian Fleming um, and is cultural interest. And um, we sponsor a couple of scholarships at various universities, um, literary scholarships. So that's the official PR stuff. Um, but the really cool side of it is the way we fund that is we actually rescue and restore James Bond movie vehicles. And then they go out to museums and stuff. So the money that we get from exhibiting, and sometimes we loan them out to corporations for events and things like that. Wow, um, so that really goes cool. to funding funding the scholarships. But uh, this weekend, um, yeah, we are getting the reason we're getting together this weekend. A, a smaller group of us that have all been vaccinated are getting together this weekend. Is um, as you probably know, the Bond in Motion exhibit in the UK closed recently. Yes, yes. Uh, well, nineteen of the vehicles that were in that were actually in Fleming Foundation vehicles, um, and they wow. have arrived. They have arrived back in containers. Um, and we now have to basically um, unpack oh, wow. them and check them and see what the condition they're in and get them into the workshop storage facility that we have in a secret location somewhere in the north. Of nice. One of the northern states. Location. <laughs> <laughs> An undisclosed location in we, one of the northern we, states. Yes. We, we so. do like our undisclosed locations. We do. This show. We yeah. certainly yeah. do. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, so that's why we're getting together this weekend, really, is to go over all the vehicles that have just come back from Bond in Motion and see what work needs to be done on them because they've been out on the museum circuit for quite a few years now. So sure, a lot yeah. needs to be some wear and tear that needs addressing, yeah. Yeah, I actually uh, managed to get there, um, God, what was it, two years ago, two or three years ago now? Um, I, I got to see it before it closed down. So, yeah, it's, it's got to be kind of cool to be able to be up close and personal with some of that stuff. And Well, the cool part of this is actually most of these Bond in Motion vehicles, we actually haven't been up close and personal with other than that Bond in Motion, which, of course, we couldn't go climbing over the over the barriers right. and ropes, even though it did say Ian Fleming Foundation, you know, uh, owned by the Ian Fleming Foundation on the on the plaque. We couldn't, like, climb all over them. So, right. um, so a lot of these we'll actually be seeing literally at close and personal for the first time. Um, wow. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. Very, looking forward to it. Looking yeah, forward to so. it. Very, very cool. Um, so uh, before we, uh, I have to ask you one last thing just because uh, before we get into the propers here. Um, so as a member of the uh, James Bond Instagram community, how many times have you accidentally said, uh, posted James Bind as opposed to James Bond? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's not just on Instagram. Believe you me, this book. The amount of times that we typed James Bind and 
I, I'm sure there's still a couple in there. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. But see, that's uh, to sell the revisions. That's how you do yeah, yeah. right. You no, follow I, the I, textbook I, method. I, I found one, not on here, but on our companion website. I was doing some work on the companion website today. On the, We have a page that um, basically gives the plot outlines for the movies and then links to all the podcasts that we've done about the movies. And I found one in there. There was a James Bind on that page, and that page has been up well over a year. So, um, Oh, yeah. goodness. <laughs> And I, I will feel- say when when we were proofing the book, some of our misspellings were created a great deal of hilarity, I will say. I can't remember any specifically, <laughs> but they were words that you'd kind of just go around saying because they were so ridiculous. But, you know, <laughs> it, it certainly eased the editing when you can have a little bit of a giggle over that kind of stuff. But yeah, James Finch sure. is a yeah. pretty standard one, I think. <laughs> Um, so your new book, the, uh, the James Bond lexicon, um, I absolutely love this book. I think, I think the thing that I like about it the most, I'll just put it up here for, Oh, I like the other one that you had. behind it there. <laughs> <laughs> in no way was that done on purpose. Um, <laughs> so the, the checks in the mail. Yeah. <laughs> um, but what I what I absolutely love about this book is just that um, the it you can page through it and just sort of pick out things. And while I am a you know a Bond fan, and I and I uh, you know I go through a lot of Bond content, but there's still you go through that book and you can just page through and just find something and read it and read something that you've never heard about before. And, and it's indexed so well at the front, you know, listing off exactly where these entries are coming from. And, and it allows you to, to go, you know, if, if you read something that sparks your interest, you can immediately find where it is and go search it out. So it's sort of this like spark plug for um, finding something new that you haven't read before or seen before or whatnot. And um, it's just... I just think it's it's such a cool reference material slash, I mean, because you've, like I said, I mean, it, on one hand, it's this great uh, source of inspiration. And on the other hand, you can just nerd deep dive on this thing. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you know, you can find out the assistant. Excuse oh, me, I love the cat. <laughs> You Come can on. just. He's, you he's can, not Blofeld's cat though. He's got. He's. Uh, he's not pure white. So. <laughs> Pretty good though. Um, he doesn't even have a Bond name. I'm sorry. Oh no. That's okay. actually he's, he, that's Holmes because I was writing Sherlock Holmes when we got him. So that's Holmes. So. Oh, very nice. <laughs> and he per- gets into everything. He gets his nose in everything. He's he's inquisitive, so he's Holmes. A very apt <laughs> name then. <laughs> um. But yeah, like you can, you can either, you know, get this inspiration or you can, uh, you know, just nerd deep dive. There was a, a entry in there that I saw that was like the assistant to the dance, the head of the dance school. And it was from the Casino Royale. I think it was 67. Uh-huh. Um, and I'm just like, <laughs> it just that level of commitment to detail (laughs) is just wow (laughs) it's great to hear you say it because actually one of the things that the aims of when we started this was to have something that would introduce people to stuff other than the movies and the not and the and the in fleming novels yeah um 
partly what sparked it is doing the other book, the James Bond uh, History of the Illustrated 007, which is History of Bonding Comics, mm-hmm. was reading all those comic stories and finding these interesting characters and gadgets and storylines that a lot of people didn't know about. Um, so when we started putting this together, it was like, well, there, there is books about them. There's a couple of encyclopedias about the movies already out there. There's a sure. good book about the Ian Fleming novels that goes really goes even deeper than this. I mean, it, you know, it's, that's that's mega levels of nerdum in that book. <laughs> um, you know, if you want to know how to play the bridge game in Moonraker, it actually takes you through hand by hand. We we don't go that deep in this book. Wow. But, <laughs> um, but outside of the Fleming novels and the movies. Um, there's a lot more to the James Bond franchise that people aren't aware of. So that was one of the aims of this book was really just to open that up to people who are interested in, in Bond, either, you know, um, at a very deep level or just were just curious about it. Uh, and we've heard a lot of people say they're doing what you're doing, which is basically just opening the book at a random page and going through and going, oh, I didn't know that, um, which is cool. I love love hearing that. Yeah, yeah so. I, I literally can just like, like, pull the pages and then just drop my finger down onto a page and, and start reading. And, and there's always something that I had no idea even existed, you know, despite my level of nerddom, <laughs> you know, I, there's still so much, you know, to absorb. Um, well, and- we found that too. Um, you know, because I did certain things and Alan did other things. And when we're editing together, you're all of a sudden you're like, Oh, I didn't know that. Or, you know, <laughs> one of us would say that. So we've been creating the book. We both learned a lot more. Yeah, I can't imagine. You know, you think you know stuff and then you're like, oh, actually, I don't. So <laughs> here we go. Right. <laughs> sometimes you want to know and sometimes you don't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there, was, there were days like that, yeah. I believe you me, we've also forgotten an awful lot of what's in this oh, book. Oh, yes. <laughs> well, for, fortunately, there's a book for you to actually look it up. If you <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I don't well know done. if I'm ready for that yet. <laughs> <laughs> you know, obviously, uh, after you did the the first book and and – you know, you sort of got into that, but were there other inspirations or motivations for um, for putting this this second one out? Um, partly, we're both geeks for these encyclopedias of fictional worlds type thing. I think it mm-hmm. started with the June Encyclopedia when we were both at college. Um, we've got lots of them around the house. We got back, you know, then there was the Batman Encyclopedia and the Wonder Woman Encyclopedia and. Mm-hmm. Jill's got a couple of Agatha Christie themed encyclopedias and I'm just looking across at the shelf over here and there's an Arthurian one. And <laughs> Terry Pratchett. Terry Pratchett. I wrote, I, I um, did a couple of entries in a Terry Pratchett one and um, I've contributed to a, a, a comics history one. So yeah, it's just sort of in our DNA, I guess, uh, right. our geek DNA. Um, and there wasn't one for Lex- James Bond Lexicon. This is actually our second publisher, our first publisher, um, who was originally going to do the book, um, they'd actually already done a Planet of the Apes lexicon and a Back to the Future lexicon. Um, mm-hmm. And I just basically reached out to them and said, hey, how about doing a James Bond lexicon? Right. And, uh, and, know, I, and, said, and then he said yes, and it was like, oh, dear, okay, now we have to do this. <laughs> <you know." laughs> now we're in for it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I actually uh, heard, too, that I don't know if it's if it's still going to happen or not, but are you still thinking of doing like a man from uncle lexicon? Oh, (laughs) (laughs) so the original contract was for two books. It was for the James Bond lexicon and the man from uncle lexicon. Um, Mm -hmm. 
Um, demand from Anchor Lexicon is probably about 60% of the research is done. Um, but I will be honest, it's been sat on a virtual shelf, i.e. on my hard drive um, and on a wiki, probably untouched for, I don't know, four <laughs> or five years now. Um, I don't know, at some point, uh, you know, I always like to think, even if it takes a long time, like this book did, finish what you start. So maybe at some point, um, I'm definitely, we, we're both pretty nonfiction burned out at the moment. Um, yeah. So we've both got fiction projects we're working on. We've both got novels we're working on um, at, at least for the rest of this year. So maybe in 2022, I'll dive back in and see where we are and see if there's something we want to do. But no, that's no commitment. from <laughs> No commitment. And, um, and, and I feel like it, it should come out after I watched all the Girl from Uncle. Yeah, she suffered for the man I from suffered. Uncle. I suffered. Oh. The uncle <laughs> and it needs to, and I, you know, it needs to be out there at some point. But we just, we just need a break from this level of um, research and geekiness. Yeah, go off and a, do some stuff, and then we'll come back fresh to it. But yeah, I got to imagine all that detail yeah. for so long. Yeah, got to get yeah. a little, <laughs> little rough after a while. Um, but we, we do, we do have three or four people who are constantly like every six months. Are you doing anything with a man from Uncle Lexicon yet? Are you doing anything from the man? So there's there's a few, there's a, at least a handful of people out there who. Well, it makes me think of Bill Koenig immediately. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you had mentioned earlier that um, there was in in the other um, lexicon for um, the novels themselves how they talked about the game. Yeah. Uh, in Moonraker, that t- I got really tempted actually to ask you how the Thunderball board game is played after reading the foreword in your, in your other book. I was seven years old. I can't. <laughs> I won't hold you to that one. He goes on about it though. So yeah, for folks who don't know that, that was my introduction to James Bond. I'd never seen a movie, never read a book. I was seven years old and a friend of mine got the Thunderball, so give my age away here, got the Thunderball uh, board game for uh, his birthday. And this is not the one, the US one. This is the British Triang one, which is, the US one had just cardboard cutouts. Yeah, that's the only one I could find images but, of. But the British one actually had little plastic frogmen. And obviously there was one figure that was slightly bigger and had a better aqualung jetpack than anybody else. And that was the James Bond figure. And I was like, he's cool. Who's he? You know. Um, and I must have gone on and on about James Bond when I got home because that Christmas my parents bought me the Corgi DB5 and a James Bond annual. Um, and then so a couple cool. of years later, I... Uh, I won a competition. I think it's the only time in my life I've ever won a competition. Um, I won a competition to take get two tickets to the local movie theater. So I decided to take my father. And we both, we went to see On a Majesty's Secret Service. Um, again, dating myself. Um, <laughs> and uh, that was it. I was I was hooked. Um, so yeah, I've been a Bond so fan ever cool. since. So yeah. uh, Jill, what what is sort of your inter- What was your introduction to James Bond and? Just sort of your impression of the James Bond movies and and books growing up and that sort of thing. Um, not the books, uh, but in, in the UK, every Christmas Day, there would be uh, a music show, speech from the Queen, and then there would be, it always seemed to be a James Bond movie. And so that was my, you know, exposure as a child. As I got older, you know, you you watch, you go to the cinema to watch the latest releases and it was pretty much, oh, you know, yeah, those are cool. Those are fun. And that was it until I met this guy. And my geekiness has increased exponentially in those years. <laughs> and, uh, you know, now it's 
I probably don't know a lot as much as a lot of people. And like Alan said, we've forgotten a lot of stuff that went in the book too. But it's just cool. James Bond is cool. You know, the movies are fun. The books are good. Um, And they're so different from the movies that it's quite a shock when you first read them. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I will add to that, by the way, the geek osmosis is a two-way street because I now know more about Agatha Christie than and her creations than I ever thought I would. So uh, that's excellent. <laughs> at least, <laughs> at least you weren't just you know dragging her into your world, and and there was no re- reciprocal <laughs> action. No, 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 there's we share. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes um, maybe it's an unwilling recipient, but we share. Yeah. Well, and the longer you're exposed to that type of stuff, you just sort of, you just sort of suddenly become interested and you're not even sure why you're interested. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I've come to sort of understand that this has been kind of a long journey to get this book out. um, Oh, yes. With some pretty major stuff that happened along the way. Can you sort of talk about what and when this all got started and, and a bit of how we arrived here do you want to take that no right then (laughs) well it started it started 10 years ago with that casual conversation alan had with the editor at hasseline books and then we both looked at each other and thought oh okay now we have to get on so we split up who covered which books alan did the movies and he sacrificed himself to do james bond jr (laughs) Um, cartoon good good man (laughs) And uh, he paid me back with the girl from Uncle stuff, though, I will say. Um, <laughs> and, and so we started working on it. And um, it, was, it was slow because, you know, you, you have to, like with each book, you have to read it. And then you make notes and you go back and you read it and make sure you've got the right notes and everything fits together. And then we had a wiki, we put it on. And it seemed for a while that we didn't seem to be getting very far. And then all of a sudden, it seemed like, oh, actually, this is, you know, getting closer. We, we got to the exciting stage of where we printed everything out and put it into folders and sent the first draft to Hasseline Books. And they were like, oh, can you change this dash for a colon and this? And you're like, oh, this is, you know, this is real editing stuff, you know, because it had to be consistent with the other one. Sure. Um, and then the... The partner, his partner at Hasseline Books died suddenly, and he decided to mothball the company. Mm-hmm. Um, so we sat for a while. Well, are we going to keep going? Because it's like we don't, you know, when you've got a publisher, you've got something to work for. You lose your publisher, and you're like, you know, is this is this right. ever going to see the light of day? Um, and Alan had been, you know, he works with um, – I don't even know what you're called now. You're a podcast. Isn't that terrible? <laughs> On Her Majesty's Secret Podcast. On Her Majesty's Secret Podcast. Not that with... she ever listens to it. No, I don't. <laughs> um, my wife rarely listens to my podcast as well. <laughs> Same here. And, you know, they were, he was talking with um, Van Allen Plexico, who agreed to take it on. And I might be getting this slightly out of order, and Alan's probably wincing. Um, but it gave us a bit of impetus. But around uh, 2015, I got cancer. And so everything went on hold while we dealt with that and got me better. And we also, in that time, moved back to Texas from Illinois. Um, and it kind of just sat there for a bit. 
And then when everything, you know, everything was okay in that, we decided, yeah, you know, we really want to get this out. And Van was supportive. So we, you know, as, as Alan said, in, in a way, the lockdown was a gift because it's like, well, we're not going anywhere. Sure. We're not doing anything. Let's get on with it and get it done. And, you know, it was it was so nice to get to the, the finish line and, and to see a copy of it was magic. Because it's the first time my name's been on a book. I edit Alan stuff, but um, it's pretty exciting. And I'm just so glad we managed to get here and get it done and see it out in the world. It's, it's really cool. Yeah, well, I, I certainly think the world is is loving it. I mean, everybody I know. Seems that- like it. Yeah, and and it's also great. It's great to see you here, looking healthy and. I am. Thank you very well. much. Yes. So, there is so much in this book, and I can't imagine how difficult it was to figure out how much detail you decided to dedicate to each entry, or even what was worthy of an entry. Like, how does that process even happen? Well, like Jill said, when she mentioned that it was a stage where we actually printed out everything that we'd got, um, mm-hmm. that was single column as opposed to double column and double-sided in, as, as per the book. But that came out at 750 pages. Holy cow. Um, so, uh, <laughs> so it was clear that things had to go. Um, one of the things we took out was, like I mentioned the website earlier, we took out all the plot summaries and decided we put those on the, on the website rather than in the book. Oh, okay. Um, so we took that section out and we put that, that online. Um, the other thing was really just going, literally going, we literally sat down most nights after dinner and just, you know, we said, right, we're going to take an hour. And we literally went entry by entry by entry through the, the thousands of entries. And it's like, obviously some of the big ones, you know, we're going to stay like James Bond. You know, right. we're, we're not going to take him out. Um, but, you know, some of the ones, you know, if it's Bob the goon who stands in the corner and, you know, just hands Blofeld a mug of coffee, <laughs> does, he really, does, does he really progress the plot? Right, right. Or, or is it something significant? Um, you know, no, you know. Um, so, so he goes. Um, so there was a lot of that. There was also trimming down. Um, what we tended to find is because we were writing in isolation, we would actually write a lot of the plot points into the into the entries. And it's okay. like, well, we can't keep putting plot summaries in every entry because they're just going to, you know, they're going to get massive. So part of it was cutting them down so they were short enough to be manageable and readable, but also keeping the context in there that somebody could do what you said, dive in and just read one on its own and understand the context of it without having necessarily read the novel or seen the TV sh- episode of the TV show or watched the movie. Um, and that was really actually quite difficult, was actually that finding that balance between context and keeping okay. it short and also making sure it was an indiv- individual who moved the plot on. We, there is a few blokes that moved through. Um, Tom from James Bond Radio, he very nicely picked out the fact that we had James Bond de- James Bond's decorator in there. Um, <laughs> who actually doesn't do anything other than decorate James Bond's apartment. Uh, and Jill, Jill was like... It, that was one that probably slipped through the cracks because actually Jill was really ruthless about people. She's like, no, they're not doing anything. Go. Um, so I think the decorator just slipped through the cracks, but uh, so yeah. Um, and then we found out the other day, one of our colleagues, uh, Jared from on a Majesty's secret podcast pointed out that we'd actually missed a character out. Um, green four from the, the guy who has the fight with Necros in the kitchen, which is an awesome scene. Yes. That's one of my favorite scenes yeah, in, the, yeah. in all he, of the living he's, daylights. He's not in the book, 
Um, oh. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know how that happened. We don't know how that happened, but now he's got an entry on the website because that's what the website's for. Because obviously the book is instantly out of date. I mean, as soon as we mm-hmm. said we're going up to this date, other things are going to happen after that date. So that's why we've got the companion website is so we can add new entries as things come along. So we've already got four, just over 40 new entries on the website already. Sure. And no time to die didn't do you any favors either. Uh, no time to, <laughs> yeah. to die. No, that was another part of the, the, re, the delay because we, it, when we originally spoke to Van Allen and Plexico about doing it through White Rocket, uh, his White Rocket Books publishing company, it was, yeah, we'll, 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 we'll include no time to die. We'll stop with no time to die. Um, and I was like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, okay. And we just, okay. That's and then, yeah, it, it was, as we said, you know, when lockdown started, we were like, look, we've got this year, you know, we didn't know it was going to be a year, but we've got this time when we can focus on it. Um, let's put a, you know, a line in the sand and say, we're going to do it up, everything up to the end of 2019. We'll spend 2020 working on the book, get it out in 2021. If no time to die comes out, you know, whenever it comes out, it can go on the website. Um, right. So, yeah. And yeah. and also I would, I would add to that, the, the, the benefit of say Alan, did the Ian Fleming books. I did the Gardner books. So we weren't reading the same thing. So when it came to editing, you were looking at something else with a fresh eye and it was easier. It was a bit, it was almost a bit like um, defending your thesis with some of it. It's like, why does that have to stay? And you'd have to come up with a reason. That's a great- Why that had to stay. And it, And I think- you know, it, it split the work, so it made it work faster, but it actually worked out really well in the end because it meant that one of us was usually coming in with ignorance and could say, well, that, that doesn't need to be there because that I don't need that to understand your, you know, that particular entry. Right. And I imagine, uh, wow, yeah, that's that's a great way to do it. Just that whole coming in sort of with not... Maybe maybe knowing something, maybe you've read it once a long time ago, but certainly yeah. not, yeah. you know, under a microscope at a granular level, the way that, you know, perhaps Jill looked at it or perhaps. Yeah, Alan I mean, I, I had it. read the Gardner novels in the past, but that was a long time ago and it was very vague memory. So, you know, it was, yeah, it, it was good because, yeah, you know, and I say Jill could challenge my stuff. I could challenge hers. We would edit together. So, you know, hopefully when you when you are going through this, you can't tell who wrote which entry. I mean, it, it really is an amalgam of the two of us. Yeah. 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 Um, so in the, uh, in the James Bond lexicon, you've got this massive list of story titles and codes at the beginning. Um, so the reader can find out where these characters or items come from um, in your research. I, I don't know if this is difficult to whittle down, but, um, but what perhaps were some of your favorite like bond finds that aren't directly uh, linked to like Ian Fleming novels or the films? Were there, were there little happy surprises, like things that you hadn't read before that, um, that you would maybe want to pass on, like, like specific things that you really liked that, that you didn't even hardly know existed or, or do you guys know so much about all this stuff? I have I have some ridiculous things that we had a good giggle over, but I don't know about really money penny stuff. The money, I suppose, yeah, the money penny diaries that was interesting. 
And that was um, sort of an interesting thing for me to to discover as I was going through your book was yeah. all the different iterations of Money Penny and yeah, you know, one of the very specific ones that I did read about was was from the Money Penny Diaries, and yeah. so that's definitely something that I want to now go check out and find out more about for sure. Yeah. And the the two, the two short stories in there were probably the hardest things to actually find because um, they were only published in two magazines in the same month in the UK back in whatever date. See the date's gone. I've forgotten what date they came out, but anyway, one was in the spectator and I think the other was in Vogue. Maybe I'm getting that wrong, but anyway, if only I had a book where I could look that up. <laughs> um, <laughs> but they'd never been reprinted. Um, mm-hmm. So we found one from a friend who was a collector who had the magazine. Um, and then the other one, I actually ended up contacting the spectator and they went down in their archives and somebody in their archives actually sent us a copy. Um, wow. So, but they've since been, I think they did an ebook bundle last year or earlier this year of all the money penny stuff and included the two short stories. So it's now a lot easier to find. So, um, but yeah, tracking that de- and things like that down some of the kids books, um, they were fun. Um, actually for me, I think the one thing I have enjoyed and we've actually done a, on a majesty's, uh, secret podcast episode on one of them was the find your fate um choose your own adventure books done around uh, a view to a kill there's like four or five of them um and uh they're ridiculous but they're fun um uh, and it's one of the few books where you can actually uh, james bond actually gets killed if you choose the wrong uh, oh wow through the book so (laughs) (laughs) very nice very uh, nice but yeah they're they're good fun yeah um also in the book uh so this is a slightly different angle, um, but in the book you have, you list 28 different iterations of Bond um, mm-hmm. as sort of a way to help tackle the rather impossible task of addressing continuity. Um, and But I guess my question is, how do you feel about the most recent attempts with sort of retconning continuity into the Craig era? Uh, uh, can we leave now? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so you feel the way I do about it. Okay. You really want us to get started on that one. Um, I think my big problem is the bond. I said this on um, something else recently. Um, I think it was the radio show we did last night, but um, and I'm stealing it from somebody else that basically said, you know, the Bond movies work when you're telling the same, it's the same movie or it's the same story told 24 times mm-hmm. or 20, coming up for 25 times. And it works best when those 25 or each of those is a new, it's telling that story in a new way that's pushing the boundaries a bit or introducing something new or is playing with the current headlines or something like that. You know, it works really well. Um, I think where they've made the mistake and it depends on what the tipping point is, is, is up to you individually, but it's when they stopped leading and started following the trends and started and then I think one of the trends that they clearly decided to follow was the you know success of the MCU and everything being interwoven. Um, and Bond is not a character that needs a backstory and all the angst and stuff. You know, Bond should be a character that's a shell that you can project yourself in. That was always the thing about the James Bond movies. You walked out the cinema going, you know, I want to be right. James Bond. I am James Bond. You know, um, I want to live that glamorous life. Um, you know, I want to be the suave, sophisticated secret agent. Um, so you could project yourself in by giving him 
all that backstory and making him into a real person and not a plot device, you get rid of that. You get rid of that audience empathy. You get rid of um, the audience can't project themselves into that role anymore. Um, And so I, yeah. And then when you actually take, you know, Spectre, they, I think they basically, again, look backwards, which I think was the wrong thing to do and said, well, that works, that works, that worked, that worked, that worked. And they just threw everything into the pot. Yeah. Um, uh, And I have a, I have also have a problem with TV shows and movies that basically give away the big reveal as the title of the movie. Um, I mean, as soon as they announced the title of the movie was Spectre, I was like, well, really? I wonder what that's going to be about, you know? Um, yeah, I get it. You've got the rights to it back. You're, you're really happy you can use it, but don't make the title of the movie the reveal, you know? Yeah. Because, you know, when when they're all going, well, I don't know what the name of this organization is. It's, well, it was on the front of the script, guys. You should have just read it, you know? Um, <laughs> um, yeah. Sorry, yeah, I could go off on that soapbox for hours, and I'm sure we haven't got time for that. Yes. Yeah, sure. So yeah, can no, Ben, I, so we understand. Yeah, we, we have yet to uh, review Spectre, and I'm sure it's going to be a rather contemptuous one just because <laughs> Jason and I have slightly different feelings about that i I, and i i just get kind of i'll I'll try and not stand on my soapbox for too long but i but i kind of feel like um you know i've seen so many people now on social media and and so forth trying to defend specter as if this was all pre-planned ahead of time and i'm like oh come on guys it's like it was was clearly not you know Skyfall was clearly a one-off. Let's let's not pretend something exists that. <laughs> yeah, I, I wish I wish they'd have carried on with the, the you know the secret organization and it be quantum and stuff and you know. I was you, very much a quantum fan as well. I, yeah, I kind of wish know, they would have yeah, just. You kept went that down track. that route. Have the fa- have the faith of your convictions and follow yeah. it through. You know. Yeah, maybe maybe save Spectre for the next incarnation of Bond or something. You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I did want to bring up also uh, the artwork in the book is by, uh, I hope I'm pronouncing this correctly, Pat Carbajal. Um, just that's as good as we get it. So that's just, <laughs> <laughs> it's just great stuff. Um, it's awesome, isn't it? Yeah. I'm just, I, that's part of, part of what I like about it so much. And then even the, even the cover art uh, just, and all the depictions are so accurate. Um how did yeah. you even link up with him? Um, Pat had done the illustrations for that Planet of the Apes uh, oh, okay. lexicon that I'd mentioned earlier on. And mm. um, so when we originally got the, the uh, contract with Hasline Books, and I was like, can we get that guy to do the artwork for the James Bond lexicon? Um, and they were like, yeah, sure, we'll ask him. Um, what I didn't know was Pat was a huge James Bond fan. I just thought he'd do it. Um, <laughs> so we asked him to do an illustration for like each letter of the alphabet plus, you know, zero to nine, you know, or whatever the number mm-hmm. section and maybe a couple of, uh, maybe a couple of spot illustrations. So I expected we'd get like at least 26 illustrations back, you know, maybe 30. Um, we sure. got 80. Oh, wow. <laughs> the inbox for a couple of years just kept filling up with these amazing <laughs> illustrations that he keeps sending us and sending us. Um, so we've tried to use, I think we've got most of them in and um, we, um, so we, when, uh, we were working with the book designer, it's like, here's, here, you know, yeah. <laughs> it's a folder with all the illustrations, get as many in as you can. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. So they're just, they're just great. I think, uh, some, some of them just, I say when you open the email and, and it came in the inbox and you opened it and saw it for the first time, it was just like, 
This is yeah. amazing stuff. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was I was actually amazed just looking through the, uh, some of the images on uh, his website. Um, they're so dynamic, even though they're very accurate depictions, and sometimes it's very hard to get something to look like something, but still give it an energy and emotion. And yeah, just yeah. really they, every one of them, they, they're obviously static, but they look like they're just in the process of not being static. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. And actually the, I, I think in some of them, he's really cap, cap, captured the characters so well um, in some cases better than the actor. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, the one that keeps getting mentioned um the guys from the Double O Files, who I think were the first ones to mention it, but a, a few others have as well, is the Donald Pleasant's Blofeld illustration is way more menacing. Pat's and the version actual. of that is actually way more menacing than the actual Donald Pleasant's Blofeld <laughs> in the movie. <laughs> but it still is very accurate out of Donald Pleasant's Blofeld, but, and mm-hmm. he's just got something, uh, the way he's done it, it just yeah, is way more scary. Just, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's good stuff. Um, I also wanted to ask you, um, so you've, you've written before that, uh, your bond, your bond is the comic strip bond. Um, and you, you sort of, I'm going to quote your forward here that says the, (laughs) the, the perfect blend of cinematic and literary, um, is that still the same for you or has that sort of changed as time has gone on or. No, I think that's when I read bond prose. Mm-hmm. That's who's running around in my mind is that John McCleskey Bond, um, maybe with a little bit of Piers Brosnan, Timothy Dalton thrown in there. But yeah, generally, it's, I'm not picturing any of the actors. For me, it's that John McCleskey defined uh, the uh, Bond and also the, you know, the later ones, uh, the Horak uh, illustrated ones, it was very dynamic. Um, I love the current Dynamite yes. comics run. Um, I think, you know, I, you know, for me, Bond always works best as a contemporary character. Uh, Bond is a man of the current age. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think Daniel Craig is that James Bond, but I think the James Bond of the Dynamite comics is that James Bond. I think it's the best contemporary version of Bond in any media is the current Dynamite comics run. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I when I read um, Forever in a Day recently, um, all I could think of was the way he's depicted in um, in the Dynamite comics. Right. That's exactly how I saw him when I was reading that book was, was how he's de- depicted there. Um, I have a question actually about that, you know, cause you have mentioned before that, um, that bond is best when he's sort of a contemporary character. So are you sort of against the idea of doing um, like a, uh, like a period piece bond film, or is it more about what his age is during any given era? Um, that's, that's a good way of putting it. Um, I'm sort of on the fence. At one point, I was really dead set against it. I was like, um, you know, Bond, Bond works best as contemporary, you know, unlike Sherlock Holmes. The, Sherlock Holmes works best other than maybe the TV series Elementary, but that's a whole other discussion. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> w- um, but Sherlock Holmes works best when he's in, you know, late Victorian, early Edwardian time period. You know, it's 1895 mm-hmm. to 1905. That's, that's where Sherlock Holmes exists. Um, for me, Bond works best for each successive age. I, I think you're right. I think that's partly the age of the character that, you know, he's, for me, he's always sort of mid-30s to early 40s type sure. you know, um, guy. Um, yeah, I used to be dead set against the idea of, you know, oh, we used to get this thing of, you know, Bond, we need to do a 1960s or 1950s contemporary Bond movie. Um, 
I still don't like that for the main character, but I think there's things you could do with some of the other characters um, or even the young Bond. Um, the young Bond books and the dynamite Bond origins have shown you can do stuff with young Bond in that period and it'd be really good. Yeah, um, I agree with of, you. That's some of, some of the young Bond stuff is really good. Um, yes, yeah. And the Bond origins, I've got a couple of issues with the artwork, but uh, only as an av- aviation geek, some of the plane stuff's wrong. Um, but, um, <laughs> um, but uh, you know, um, that works really well. Um, so I think that, and, and maybe some of the spin-off characters, you could do some stuff, you know, earlier in the career or different periods. Um, the one thing that I've been sort of saying I would love to see, and again, this comes from Dynamite Comics, is a Felix Leiter, Tiger Tanaka buddy story on Netflix. Uh, I don't want to see James <laughs> Bond on Netflix. Keep keep the James Bond and the Bond movies as the every, I'll be generous, every three years tentpole mm-hmm. movie. And then in between, do the multimedia stuff and have the Netflix series, you know, maybe have a Money Penny series or, uh, you know, um, again, one on M, you know, thinking back to the Dynamite comics, uh, his time in Northern Ireland, go and, and think about that and do some yeah. backstory on that. That would be great TV. Do do stuff oh, like absolutely. that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So my answer to that is yes and no, no and yes. <laughs> <laughs> right. I know what Jill thinks. I think we have a slightly different opinion, don't we? I don't care. I'll just watch any of <laughs> Okay. I'll just watch it. That's like me. That sounds like me. It's like, yeah. oh, they did it that way? I'll watch it yeah. anyway. All right. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I will say, I, I, I wouldn't not watch it. I mean, I, I will be he honest. He would complain the whole time he was watching it. <laughs> but I'd still watch it. I mean, <laughs> still watch it. Yeah. X-Men First Class. In, in X-Men First Class, when the Michael Fassbender did the, the bit where he went to Argentina to track down the Nazi spies, Mm-hmm. And that, and I was like, that is a perfect audition for doing a period piece James Bond movie with Michael Fassbender as James yes. Bond in the 60s. Yes. Um, so, yeah. So, but unfortunately, that, that ship has sailed because that was way too many years ago and he's <laughs> too old to do that now. But. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They all just keep getting all these, all these candidates for Bond keep. Aging out, yeah. yeah. <laughs> doesn't, doesn't take very long. <laughs> um, so obviously, if you, by our backgrounds, um, both Jason and I are are pretty big fans of comic books. Um, aside from maybe you know, because we've we've touched on the dynamite stuff, is there any other comic books that you specifically are are a big fan of? Like um, as far as some of the, I know in in the lexicon you referenced, um, well a bunch of them, <laughs> but there was <laughs> there I know that there was some ones from like Dark Horse I want to say in the nineties mm-hmm. maybe. Yeah, yeah, Jill read a few of those. Yeah. yeah, I quite like those. Yeah, they were. I'm trying to think of that. That's the trouble now. You just wipe it all out of your mind because you read something, <laughs> you write about it, and then you move on and you read something else and you write about it. Um, but no, I thought they were pretty solid. I thought they were really good, really good stories. Yeah. And they were nice because I before that, I'd read all the comic strips. Mm-hmm. And it was nice to actually read something that you think, well, that could almost happen. <laughs> Whereas, you know, with the comic strips, I'd read some of them and I'd be like, I don't really quite know what I've read there. Um, <laughs> and, you know, because you couldn't always tell what was actually meant to be happening. But yeah, I'm. Oh gosh, I'm trying to think now which ones I really liked. I don't know. I can't remember any of their names now. It's a bit like studying a foreign language, and then and then you 
you put it away for a little yeah, thing, yeah, yeah, and yeah. then the next thing yeah. you know, you've forgotten it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, the one that uh, is, is fun, it's not necessarily my favorite, but I know and it is the most reprinted James Bond story around. So a lot of people like it, and I have a lot of friends who love it, is Serpent's Tooth, okay. um, which is crazy because it was basically, I'm still not quite sure how they got away with it, but the amalgamation of the literary and movie Bond, there is so many movie references in there. Um, and if you want to see James Bond fighting dinosaurs and lizard men and UFOs, <laughs> um, <laughs> that is the comic for you. Um, and the other good one is Mike Grell's Permission to Die. Um, oh, yes. Which is really good. Yes. That was a free oh. part of that. That was set, unfortunately for him, right as the Berlin Wall came down and it was about somebody being rescued from East Germany to West Germany, uh, to the West. Um, and the first two issues came out while the war was still in East Germany. And then there was a wow. problem. There was a problem and it got delayed a year. And during that year, between the second and third issue, the Berlin Wall came down. Um <laughs> Um, so, um, but it's, it, it's it, read together. It, it's, uh, it's a really good uh, three issue miniseries. So that's one I highly recommend. Yeah. I, I had no idea Mike Grell even did any James Bond stuff. That's oh, he's great. a huge James Bond fan. Is yeah. he? Yeah. I'll have to definitely look for that one then. Well, um, I guess finally, um, what's sort of next on the horizon for you guys, you guys had mentioned maybe, uh, writing some fiction and, and that sort of thing. Or are you sort of going on on holiday for a bit? <laughs> to- I don't think you do when you write. Your brain's always doing what it does, whether you write it down or not. Um, yeah, we're both working on projects right now. I mean, mine kind of came to a halt when we got COVID, but I'm trying to get back into it. So, uh, yeah, I will say COVID really killed the fiction writing. Yeah. It really Gene did. Or gears or whatever. We've yeah. only really both just started getting back into working on fiction. Mm. That COVID fog. Yeah. <laughs> that was yeah. really tough to get around. Yeah. 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 We both yeah. got it in January and uh, it's taken us a couple oh. of months to, to, to sort of get through and push through that yeah. sort of mental fog um, and get writing fiction again. But that's what we want to do is both, we got, we both got fiction projects for this year. Um, very nice very nice we want to get done and polished and get them out there and hopefully start selling them so can you give us a a hint or or (laughs) (laughs) i'm wary of doing that because in 2015 i went on james bond radio and said yeah the james bond lexicon is almost done it'll be out next year (laughs) um so I'm a little wary about putting too much out there. Um, so uh, understood. I, I, I will say Jill's working. I've read Jill's first draft of her, uh, her sort of outline draft of her, the novel she's working on. It's really good. It's sort of a contemporary. It's really weird because I mostly read mystery stuff, mm-hmm. and I don't particularly care for a lot of touchy feely chick lit type stuff but that seems to be what i'm writing which is very weird (laughs) um but yeah so yeah life is weird you know (laughs) your brain is weird is what it lets out so i don't know and i'm working on a uh historical novel police procedural set in the early years of nazi germany oh very nice very nice so we'll see where that goes um yeah very, very cool. Well, and um, you're working on a book with Van. Oh yeah, Van Allen Plexico and I are co-authoring a, a heist novel as well this year. 
Oh, a heist novel. Great. That's, yeah, I'm in for that. <laughs> any, any, anything anything involving a heist, I'm in. <laughs> oh, they're fun, aren't they? Yeah, I love those. Yeah, Vance actually already done two in the series. As, uh, I highly recommend them, Vegas Heist and Miami Heist um, with these characters. And I read them and I was like, you know what you should do for the next one? And he's like, okay, let's do it together. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Just lassoed you right into it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So. Well, very, very cool. Um, I, I want to sort of reiterate again, um, the book is called The James Bond Lexicon, The Unofficial Guide to the World of 007 in Movies, Novels, and Comics. Um you got where can we uh, where can we find this? And there's is there anything else you would like to direct us to? Um, okay, well you can find the book on all the global Amazon sites. So wherever you are in the world, your local Amazon has it, um, and also a lot of the independent um, online bookstores and also bookshop.org. Um, if you order it on there, that actually money goes to the local independent bookstores as well. Um, and we, on the, I mentioned earlier, the companion website, jamesbondlexicon.online. Um, if you go to the book, the Our Bond Books page there, we actually maintain a list of all the links where you can get it online, Amazon and others. Um, and we're trying to keep that up to date as we find them. Um, so that's the main place to get it. And you can follow us on uh, Twitter at Bond Lexicon and on uh, Instagram at James Bond Lexicon. Yeah, and you've got the uh, the podcast on her Majesty's Secret. Yes, yeah. uh, on a, thank you. The Honor Majesty's Secret Podcast Network. Yes, uh, we just finished doing reviews of all the soundtracks. We've reviewed all the movies. Um, so we're trying to think of what to do between now and No Time to Die comes out. We've got a few ideas coming out. When we started it, we're like, oh, we've got two years. We can do a one a month, and we'll be perfectly position to <laughs> um, no time to die so yeah we we we've we got a few things in, in mind to fill the gap um but uh and like links to, all... yeah oh sorry i was gonna say and links to all those shows are on the movie page on the james bond lexicon online website as well so i feel like we're all sort of trying to time <laughs> trying to time everything up to the release <laughs> yeah. No, yeah 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 um, so I also uh, understand. Do you still have the uh, the Beatles uh, podcast too? Yes, actually, that's just just started. I just launched a Beatles. Thank you, uh, Beatles podcast. Uh, it's based on a, a book I wrote twelve years ago now. I think um, probably even longer. Called Before They Were Beatles. Um, it is about them before they were Beatles. It's about the formation of of the group. Um, it covers their teenage years or from. 14 through to them going to Hamburg, Germany, um, literally the week that they changed the name to the Beatles. So it is um, all the iterations and everything. Um, and I'm doing that as a podcast series. The first episode, first two episodes are up. The third one should go up by the next week or the week after. And I'm hoping to do that sort of once a month over the next, however long it takes to get through the story. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. That's fascinating. I, 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 I'm absolutely going to listen to those for sure. It's just okay. Well, you, I, you, can, I really, you can just find it on your your favorite podcast platform. And just just search for before they were Beatles. You'll find it. Very very cool. Well, um, thank you both, Alan and Jill, again for yes, being thank here. You. It's been an absolute joy to to have you guys here and, and be our first guest on our <laughs> show ever. Yeah, thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for having us. Well, that was absolutely lovely. 
Yes. Yes, it was. They were very lovely people. Yes. They made it very easy for me, too. <laughs> yeah. 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 You know, they, you could tell they'd been around the block a little. So uh, they, yeah. they they took your softballs and returned softballs to you. <laughs> indeed. Indeed. But uh, <laughs> again, thank you very much to uh, Alan and Jillian Porter for uh, putting up with our nonsense <laughs> and hanging out and with us. And they did. <laughs> hanging out with us for an hour it was a good time and uh i enjoyed sneaking in a couple questions that were real <laughs> amidst amidst the uh the the usual fare so oh, come on they're all real some were just less tread upon than others that's correct yes indeed indeed <laughs> <laughs> but uh i suppose they got all their plugs in but maybe it's time for us to uh you know, point people in our direction yeah, now. Yeah, absolutely. You know, as always, we are looking for you, our wonderful listeners, uh, to give us some interaction and tell us how you like the podcast or if you have any ideas that you'd like us to run through, you know, topics, uh, movies you'd like us to do a review on, anything like that. Or they can um, just tell us that we suck or whatever. I mean, you know, we, I don't we think that's going to happen. I, I really don't. But here's I mean. the thing you could tell us, we already know. Uh, so, I mean, you're just, you're just confirming what we already know. And if we can't really do this thing with confirmation bias, because you already know that confirmation bias in intelligence analysis, uh, is already a hindrance. So that's right. Um, but if you feel compelled, <laughs> you could certainly send us an email at CIC gmail.com, or you can hit us up on Instagram at central intelligence cinema separated by underscores. Or you can hit us at Twitter at at CIC spy pod. All of those will get to us. And, uh, you know, feel free to give us whatever input you need to give us. Don't, don't let us don't let us limit you. Indeed. Indeed. And also, if you do enjoy the podcast, we would love if you chose to help us out by uh, giving us a glowing five star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, also, I will happen to mention that this particular interview will also be our first that's up on the YouTube page. Woohoo! Yeah, pretty crazy. Sorry if, that, sorry if that image of me scares anybody. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, please give us a, a glowing five-star review so that our show gets seen faster when people search for stuff like this and we can grow the CIC into a small community of nerds like us <laughs> but uh yeah i guess that's about it with that i'm ben and i'm jason and the cic will return with more missions more martinis and more may indeed <laughs>